You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network on this Thursday, June 14th, 2018. I am your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Spotify if you enjoy it, and New episodes will be delivered to your device, so you can listen wherever and whenever you'd like, whether it's on your commute, at the gym, on a run. Just subscribe, and life will be made much easier for you if you enjoy the show. Also, give the show a good review in iTunes if you do like it. We certainly appreciate it. Today is Thursday, so we're going to do a mailbag show. These are questions submitted in the comment section of gangreennation.com. We thank those of you who submitted questions this week. Let's jump in. Our first question pertains to some of the young defensive backs on the roster. With guys like Perry Nickerson and Jeremy Clark flashing in practice and the addition of Tremaine Johnson, does this cornerback group stand the chance of being our deepest in years? Well, that's always a possibility, but I think that this is one of the dangers that you see this time of year and in training camp, when we're talking off-season practice, training camp practices, and that's reading too much into the results of these practices. Again, these are practices. During November, October, December, if a guy strings together three good practices, you don't really hear that much about it. You know, nobody would... Nobody would ever give it a second thought. This time of year, because the media is there covering practices of guy looks good, you, you hear about it. You just can't read too much into these things, though, because, again, they're, they're only practices, and it, it's, just, it's just not that meaningful. And we're talking about Nickerson, who was a late-round pick by the Jets this year. We're talking Clark, who was a late-round pick last year. These guys are late-round picks, and even if – they're playing well in practice. There's still still a long way to go before these guys are before the, these guys can have proven that they can actually contribute to the team this year. You know, even if you like their potential, these are two guys who really have not set foot on an NFL field. So there's a long way to go, and there are probably going to be some some bumps along the road, some growing pains. You know, I think back to two years ago when I heard so many people say that the Jets had set up their wide receiver position for the long term because of a couple undrafted free agents and a late-round pick. You know, the, the future of the wide-receiving core was going to be Robbie Anderson, Jalen Marshall, and Sharon Peake. Now, Anderson actually is part of the receiving core. Anderson is probably going to be a piece of this team's receiving core in the future. Not so much for the other two guys, though. The other two guys aren't... You know, they're they're not they don't factor in at all. They these guys just had a couple good practices. So you know, three guys, one of them actually stuck. And Anderson even that year wasn't that great. I mean, he wasn't you know he he was decent for a rookie, but it's not like he was a big time impact guy in 2016. It wasn't until 20 it wasn't until the next year, his second year in the league, after he had a little more experience under his belt, that he really turned into a quality starter. So. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that these guys will step in and play really well right off the bat. It's possible these guys will develop into good backups. And honestly, if you're going to have good depth anywhere, it's probably going to be because you have some late-round picks step in and 
look like they can play. But that said, I think it's a, I think it's way too early to to make any declarations about this cornerback group being deep because of what you're seeing in offseason practices. I, I think that honestly, I think this cornerback group has a lot of question marks to it. I, I think that this is a it's a group with a lot to prove at the moment, and I I, th- I would caution against reading too much into what's happening during these offseason practices. And I'll, I'll say the same thing when we get to training camp in a few weeks. You don't, you know, it's one thing to put together a couple good practices in the offseason. And the other thing I'd say is that, you know, we we talk about, now this week in minicamp, the media is there every day. Last week, and you know, the week preceding it in OTAs, the media wasn't even there. Media was there for like one out of three practices. So you don't know what was happening in those days the media wasn't there. So, you know, I, I would caution to pump the brakes on any discussion on Clark or Nickerson or anybody else at this at this time of year just you know file it in the back of your minds and move forward don't get your get, don't get your hopes too high on some guy just because they're putting together a couple quality offseason practices next question how concerned are you with the recent news that Darren Lee will be the quarterback of the defense he doesn't seem like he needs he knows his own assignments at times much less everyone so yeah this, this work this was a comment Todd Bowles made that with Demario Davis gone, Lee's going to take over a big chunk of the responsibilities for getting the defense set up. And that's, you know, making sure everybody's lined up in the right spot. It's potentially changing the play if, depending on the look the offense gives. And uh, I, I was actually kind of surprised to hear that Lee's taking over these responsibilities. And, my issue is not so much about him knowing where everybody's supposed to be lined. Although I, I think that is a worthy question. Uh, my issue is that th- this is a really important year for Lee. You know, this is a year where I-, I feel like if Lee does not make a jump this year, it's never going to happen for him. I mean, this is a guy who's, in a lot of ways, is kind of fighting for his career at this point. I, I would say this is a guy. He really has not lived up to his first round billing through two years in the league and. You know, there just aren't many guys. If it doesn't happen by year three, it usually just doesn't happen for you as an NFL player. And, you know, he, there's a lot he has to get better at. And my thought is just, I'd want to put as little extra material on his plate as possible. I'd want him not ha- to not have to think a whole lot. I'd want him to just be able to go out there and play and focus on himself. So, yeah, I am, I gotta be honest, I'm a little surprised. I don't know whether I'd say concerns, but... I, I, I'm skeptical. I, I think maybe more skeptical than concerned on, on this move because I think I'm not sold that this is the best thing for Darren Lee to put this extra responsibility on his plate. And from everything you hear, it's about about another, there's another guy on this defense who actually sounds like he'd be pretty good at handling these responsibilities, and that's Jamal Adams, whose football IQ has been praised by you know almost everybody who's examined him, almost anybody who's really studied him, people talk about how smart Jamal Adams is, how how much of a leader he is, the things like that, you know, the, the qualities you'd want in a guy who's kind of, going to kind of uh, take those responsibilities on the defense. So Bowles has always seemed to want to put those responsibilities with a linebacker, whether it's Harris, whether it's Davis, and these are just the things we've heard in public. I'm a little surprised that he did not go with Adams for this because it seems like that's the kind of thing that would suit him pretty well but yeah it sounds, sounds like it's going to be Lee I, I am a little skeptical it's really it's based on just where Lee is in his career where you know he's 
got a lot to prove this year, and now you're putting even more onto his plate when you can go in another in, in another direction. So I I'm skeptical of this of this one. Bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. B L U E C H E W dot com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA improved ingredient active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, night or day, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits necessary, no waiting in the pharmacy, and no more awkwardness. They are made in the USA, and since Blue Chew ship, prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. If you visit bluechew.com, again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, you get your first shipment free when you use promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, bluechew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Our next question, with such a poor wide receiver and tight end group, should New York jump on a veteran if one shakes free? I'm all for the development of Robbie and the hopeful development of Hanson and Stewart. Curse is not a number one receiver in this league and prior is a question mark. Also, I still don't see a tight end that instills any confidence as a target in this roster at all. Wouldn't we need some help to help Darnold develop? I, I actually am going to disagree a little bit with the premise of this question because I don't agree that the wide receiver group is poor. I think you actually have two good, two good players on that in that group you have you have Anderson and you have Inunua and if there was a third impact guy you could add if there's somebody out there who shakes free then yeah I, I would go after that guy because I think if, if you add another impact receiver suddenly you're talking about one of the top groups of wide receivers in the NFL so you know I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I do think they need a third guy to emerge and but I also think they've done a pretty good job at loading this roster with guys who could potentially be that there's no there are no guarantees but there, there actually are a number of guys who could step into that role so we'll, we'll see there you know if there was a proven guy who was an impact guy I would not hesitate to go after that player but that said I, I don't necessarily agree with the idea that this is a poor group of wide receivers I think this is actually a pretty solid group, and I think they've they've done a good job of they've given themselves a number of options, number of potential options, number of ways that they could find that third receiver that they need. Now the tight end position is a different matter. They have not done a good job with the tight end position. They have not done a good job with the tight end position since this regime came into power in 2015. They have done a terrible job at the tight end position. And when Austin Safarian Jenkins is the best is the best tight end you've had on your team, that's a bad sign. And, you know, the last four years, tight end has just been a, a black hole for the Jets. Outside of a, hand, a few early season games last year for ASJ, and that, that's really all they've gotten out of the tight end position was a handful of early season games last year. That's all they've gotten in three years. And things are not looking up this year. You, I mean, what, what, are, what do you have there? You have Clive Walford, who's, you know, mediocrity. You have a couple mid-round picks who have yet to set foot on, on an NFL field, Jordan Leggett, Chris Herndon. Maybe maybe Leggett or, and or Herndon have potential going forward, but they're probably not going to produce a whole lot this year. I mean, that's just a lot to ask. So, you know, a mid-round pick setting foot on an NFL field for the first time. Of course, Leggett lost his rookie year due to an injury. So tight ends a position where, yeah, I definitely would look to add somebody if a, a, a quality player 
shook loose. I, I think that, especially tight, the tight end position, that's a spot where it can really help a, a young quarterback just having a big target that he can throw the ball up to, big spots, having somebody who can help in the red zone. Now, that said, I do think Nunwa is going to take over some tight end responsibilities in, in the passing game. I think he'll work the middle of the field. I think he is a big target. He's a guy who can do some things after the catch. He can turn into that security blanket a little bit that you know a tight end typically would be. But yeah, I, I think that the I, I would separate the, the question here. At the wide receiver position, I would only bring somebody in if they were if you knew they were an impact guy. You know, if we're talking about a veteran, if it, and I'm talking a big impact guy, because you add a big impact guy to Anderson and Nunwa, suddenly you're talking about a great group of a great receiving core. But I don't know who's good, who that's going to be. I mean, what receiver is going to shake free at this time of year? Who's a, you know a proven impact guy? I'm not sure you, you, you're going to have that. And in terms of, you know, flyers on players, the Jets already have enough guys with upside. They have enough potential guys at the, in the wide receiver room heading into training camp that I don't think you add anybody unless you, you know that they're going to be able to make an impact. Tight end is a very different story. Tight end, you really... Tight ends, let's be honest, tight ends looking like looking like a weakness right now. It's looking like one of the bigger weaknesses that's on this roster. So if there's potential to upgrade it in the Jets are sitting on enough cap space that they can make a move. Tight ends, I'm not sure who, who's going to shake free. Sometimes you just get lucky. Sometimes you just get, you just get lucky. There's a camp, a surprise camp cut somewhere. You're able to bring someone in who can help your team. And I think that's what the Jets probably are going to have to hope for this year at the tight end position. Because again, I think, you know, people, you can be excited about the, about these guys, the Jets have drafted the last two years, but it's a lot to ask them to, Honestly, I think it might be a lot to ask them to replicate what ASJ did last year. I think, you know, I think uh, Clive Walford could potentially do that. But what you got for last year from ASJ really wasn't that great, and the, the position has not been upgraded in the offseason. And it's just, it just seems like one of the blind spots for this regime. They they, they just have not done a good job at the tight end, and I think that's an understatement. They've done a really bad job at the tight end position over the last four years finding quality players. Our last question today. If the first few seasons go well, can you see the AAF having a chance to become a legitimate farm system slash developmental league for the NFL? Also, would you personally like to see a D league since most players aren't coming out from a co- aren't ready coming out of college even after having played at least three years there? So uh, AAF is this new league that's apparently going to be starting. It's it's. Maybe they have a better shot than the X at the XFL. I, I don't know whether they're going to have two guys race for the football instead of a coin toss. Our society has lost its sense of humor, and there's no greater proof of that than the fact that more people are not laughing at just the concept of the XFL returning. The, how ludicrous that is! AAF is another league that that's announced it's going to be starting soon. I think that. I actually think there is a path for a rival league to succeed in today's uh, into in today's world. I actually think there there is a chance for a spring league to, to have success. I think there's a certain path it would have to take, and we'll discuss that some other time. I think it's a, but I do think it's very tough in, in today's environment. I, I think there's a narrow pathway, but it's narrow, and I'm not sure the AAF. I'm not sure the developmental league that's not associated with the NFL is going to have a whole lot of success. Um, and the question of a D league, which I think is called it, it, the NBA has, has this thing. It's called the G league. Now it used to be called the D league. It's kind of like a minor league 
system. Uh, the NFL does not have a minor league system right now. Here's my question uh, when it comes to the NFL, and this is the thing that just makes no sense to me about this league, is every year after the draft, uh, every team puts together what's known as a rookie minicamp, and you bring in your draft picks, and you bring in a bunch of tryout players. In fact, you bring in so many tryout players that you essentially have a full 53-man roster worth of guys coming to your rookie minicamp. A rookie minicamp lasts a weekend. And the thing I don't get is how can you get a good enough look to be able to assess players over, what, two, three practices? How, how, how do you – if you have, you're looking at, what, you know, 30, 40 players, you're able to evaluate 30, 40 players in just two to three practices – so the thing that makes no sense to me is why don't you just have a developmental league based on those players? Because, again, when it comes to tryout players, you're bringing in like a full roster worth of these players. So you have enough for a team, and then you throw in some guys who maybe some younger players who need developmental time. It can be both a league where you get a better look at tryout players and you develop some guys who are on your roster, maybe the late-round pick from last year who did not play as a rookie. The NBA has this. It's called the Summer League. And, you know, I think the, the timing of this would probably be more spring. But why not just put together like a four-week league? You know, just put together a four-week league based on that. You know, you can have like a 16-team a tournament with each conference. And then, you know, winners play the winners. Then you have a loser's bracket. Losers play losers each week. And that would actually give you, A, a chance to properly assess the young guys in your in your rookie mini camp, you'd actually get a better, longer look at them. They would have more of a chance to show you what they can do, and B, it'd give you a chance to develop these young players. So, I guess this is a roundabout way of answering the questions. I think AAF, that particular league, I'm not sure that they're going to have the success necessary because I'm not sure they're following the the plan that you need to have to be successful. Um, be a successful start of football league but yes i would personally like to see some sort of developmental league i'm not sure i'm not sure it would be like the g league the nba has because that happens during the course of the regular season i think it would probably be more more an off-season league more akin to what you used to have in nfl europe or what the nba has in its summer league where you're doing it in the spring and you're bringing in again you're bringing in guys you're already bringing these guys to to your rookie mini camp you're already bringing them to your facility you just give them more of a chance to play show you what they can do and on the at the same time you can use it as a developmental month for some of your younger players who lack game experience i don't understand what it seems like such a no brainer i don't think it would cost the nfl that much money it just seems like something something that should be done i mean i'm sure you could even there's the NFL, i'm sure you could probably even sell tv rights to it why the NFL hasn't done this is beyond me. That'll do it for our show today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy this show, subscribe to it. Your options include iTunes and Spotify. And leave the show a good review in iTunes if you do enjoy it. I hope you have a great Thursday. We'll talk again tomorrow.